the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, senior pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. The title of the message today is Basic Attitudes for Spiritual Maturity. Those are attitudes that we need in order to grow in our faith and to become like Jesus. It is my firm belief that any Christian who is really serious about his or her faith would want to be spiritually mature. That is to be all that God wants him or her to be. It is fine to have that desire, but it only comes to pass when we build our life on certain fundamentals. To be a good musician or to be a good athlete, one has to master the fundamentals. Surely to be a good Christian, one has to master the fundamentals of the Christian faith. We need to know what the faith is all about, what God has called us to do and to be. Spiritual maturity isn't the result of wishing or wanting or hoping or thinking or imagining. It is a result of mastering those basic truths that enable us to grow and to mature in our faith. We must learn at some point in our Christian experience that we have to apply ourselves to certain spiritual fundamentals or basics if we are going to be all that God intends us to be. In 1 Peter chapter 5, 5 through 11, the last verses of this first epistle of Peter, it is as if Peter before he ends, is saying, no, by the way, let's go back to basics. And so Peter chooses to reiterate the fundamental attitudes for spiritual maturity to which those Christians scattered abroad by persecution need to have in order to be able to maintain their, their, their faith at a most difficult time in their lives. These Christians who have been spread abroad across the Mediterranean because of persecution were in great difficulty. They were suffering unjustly. In some cases, they were suffering without mercy at the hands of people who have misrepresented them. They do not deserve to be persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ, but they were being persecuted, and some of them did not know exactly how to view 
the Christian life. And so Peter is writing to them to assure them that God is with them. So it's all the more important that they get back in touch with the basic attitudes and the basic truths of their faith. You see, in times when everything is going well, it is much easier to conduct oneself in a spiritual way. But when adversity comes against us, like a flood, be good at the basic things of our faith, because it is what you do with these basic truths in times of great stress that will get you through. So beginning in verse 5, Peter gives a series of commands, one right after the other, which reminds us of the basic attitudes necessary for our maturity as believers in Christ. You see, if we are going to be mature, we get there by starting out with these basic attitudes. So let me give you the six of them I'm going to, I'm going to mention. The first is we need to have an attitude of submission. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5a, or the first part of verse 5, Peter says, in the same way, you younger people must submit yourselves to your elders. See, in chapter 2, Peter says we are to be submissive to all authority, to the government, to employers, and to one another. Now, in chapter 5, as he closes his letter, he addresses young people, particularly young men, because they needed to know something about how to, how to act and how to behave as members of the body of Christ. So why does he do that? Why doesn't he say everyone ought to submit to those who are older? I don't know why Peter, what Peter had in mind, because he does not tell us. However, I'm sure that young people in Peter's day are very similar to young people today who are often critical of the ideas of the older generation. God has established a chain of command in the home, in the church, in the workplace, in the government, and in society in general. One part of that chain rests on the truth that wisdom comes not from the younger, but from the older. Of course, there are numerous exceptions, But the exceptions do not change the general principle that with age comes experience, and from experience comes wisdom. The application is really very simple. If someone is older than you, you need to listen carefully to what they have to say. When we are young, we tend to think we know all of the answers. It is a trademark of the young to be impatient and impulsive. But that is not altogether negative because sometimes because young people feel that they can do whatever they want to do, they sometimes break through and, um, and create situations which uh, lead to significant changes. In fact, if you look at all of the revolutions that have taken place in our world, they were led by young people. Even in the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther and Philip Melanchthon, they were young people in their 20s. 
and 30s. You see, great confidence is a mark of youth. Tested wisdom is a mark of maturity. Consider what the Bible says. Proverbs 20 and verse 29. The glory of the young is their strength. The gray hair of experience is the splendor of the old. Leviticus 19.32, stand up in the presence of the aged, show respect for the elderly, and revere your God. I am the Lord. So why does this verse connect showing respect for the elderly with revering God? Because disrespecting the elderly is disrespecting God who established the authority structure of the universe. It is a wonderful thing when those who are younger go to those who are older and ask, what do you think? What would you do? Do you have any advice for me? And in this case, it's not just those who are older in years, but also those who are older in the Lord. That is why leaders in any church ought to be godly men and women whose faith has been tested and who over the years have developed wisdom. If you are a younger Christian, find someone who is older in the faith and learn from them. The older must be willing to teach the younger and the younger must be willing to learn from the older. So Peter is is giving instructions for younger Christians to show respect and submission to those who provide godly, mature, spiritual leadership in the church and even in the community. The second attitude that Peter mentions here is the attitude of humility. First Peter chapter 5, 5b to 6, says all of you, Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Humility was not a virtue that had any respect in the pagan world of Peter's day just like it isn't a virtue today in our society. Humble people today get mocked and trampled upon. They are called wimps by the world. This is the day of the macho man, like Vladimir Putin, who think that he can conquer uh, the, the world and who can put people to death as he pleases. Humility was regarded as something that was weak and cowardly. The only humility that was tolerated in Peter's day was the involuntary humility of slavery. And so Peter is saying that we ought to put on the garment of a slave and take on a voluntary humility toward one another. Humility does not come naturally to to most of us. The society does not regard humility as a virtue that should be uplifted. But humility is a virtue. If you think you have it, you probably don't. It is said that the great evangelist, D.L. Moody, who was born in Northfield, Massachusetts, used to pray, Lord, 
make me humble, but don't let me know it. So even though we can't define humility very well, we all know humility when we see it. And we know it when someone doesn't have it either. Humility comes from a proper understanding of the grace of God. All that we have comes from God. Everything is a gift. Humility is not thinking less of yourself or hiding your talents or feeling embarrassed about your gifts and abilities and accomplishments. So whatever we have could have been given to somebody else. And someday we must give it all back and give an account of what we have done with what we were given. In Luke chapter 14, verse 11, Jesus puts it like this, For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And thank God that that is true. So even though what is happening today um, may seem so difficult, but God has his way of working things out and humbling those who are proud and feel that they, they have the authority to do what they want to do with other people's lives. But the third attitude is the attitude of trust. Verse 7, Peter says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. And Psalm 55 and 22 says essentially the same thing. Give your burdens to the Lord, and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. And Hebrews chapter 13, 5 and 6, keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? You see, these scriptures are a reminder that we don't have to solve our own problems as believers, but can unload all of worries and problems on the Lord. Is the reason we can do that with confidence comes from four simple words. He cares for you. Secretly, many of us fear that God can't be trusted to take care of us. And so we decide to handle our own problems and we wonder why we are frustrated and unfulfilled spiritually. You know, I'm convinced that for most of us, our deepest problems have to do with our view of God. We never settle the question, what kind of God do we believe in? We never settle the question of whether we believe God really cares for us. Or we think he does, we hope he does, but many days we are not sure. We can't quite bring ourselves to trust God when we are in a crisis situation. So the question is, will I stake my life upon the fact that God cares for me? Until that question is settled, all lesser questions go unanswered. 
Here is the genius of biblical Christianity. God cares for me. God cares for you. He cares for all of his children. He proved it by sending his own son to die for us. That issue was settled for all time at the cross. Any God who could, would sacrifice his own son for people like us must care for us. When we come to God, we don't have to convince him to hear us. We don't have to chant or, or shout or burn incense or ring bells or offer a sacrifice. We come as his beloved children and gladly he hears us. We don't have to do anything to make God care for us. His infallible word assures us that he does and that we can unload our cares and our anxieties on him no matter what those are. Because he cares for us. But number four, we need to have an attitude of vigilant defense. At first, you might be thinking, what is that all about? Well, let's hear what Peter has to say here. In verses eight and nine, Peter says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. And James uh, says in James chapter 4 and verse 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The reason we need to have our priorities right, the need, reason we need to trust God, the reason we need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and the reason we need to submit to those in authority over us and to God himself is because our adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Peter says, be on the alert, be watchful. Satan des desires to destroy us as Christians. He's always looking to overwhelm us. His aim is to sow discord, to, de to undermine confidence in God, uh, to get us to stop serving God. Even though, obviously, he cannot take away our salvation. He can destroy our life. He can destroy our testimony. He can devastate us. Satan, Satan constantly seeks out our weak points. That's why he prows around. So how foolish it is for us to say we will never fall. You see, every one of us has a weak point, and most of us have many weak points. It may be an area of temptation, it may be a bad habit or a besetting sin. But if you know your strengths and your weaknesses, the devil knows them also. And he knows how to attack and when to attack and where to attack. And so Peter saying, be alert. We must stand firm in the faith. 
That means standing firm in the truth of the scriptures. The truth of the scriptures provides the firm foundation we need for resisting Satan's attacks. Do what Jesus did when the devil tempted him in the wilderness. Fight back with the word of God. This is what the Apostle Paul is speaking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 3 and 4. Where Paul says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And so we can use the word of God to help us as we have to deal with our enemy, the devil and Peter wants us to recognize that we need to have an attitude of vigilant defense against our enemy, the devil. But number five, Peter speaks about the attitude of hope. Verse 10, and after you suffer for a short time, God who gives all grace will make everything right. He will make you strong and support you and keep you from falling. He called you to share in his glory in Christ, a glory that will continue forever. So how do you handle days of stress and times of uncertainty? Peter says, look beyond the present to the future. The 70, 80, 90, or 100 years that we spend on this earth cannot be compared with the ages of eternity that's before us. That's sickness now, but healing later. That's rejection now, but acceptance later. That's failure now and success later. That's the persecution by evil men now and the praise of God later. Today, the cross of shame. Tomorrow, the crown of glory. Weeping indoors for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Though the ultimate fulfillment comes in heaven, the promise also applies to the here and now. Peter uses four words to describe what God will do for those who, who suffer. He said he will restore you, it will make you strong, firm, and steadfast. The Living Bible translates the latter part of verse 10 this way. It says, he will personally come and pick you up and set you firmly in place and make you stronger than ever. Why will God do all that for us? Because he is the God of all grace. If you're confused, he has grace for you. If you're discouraged, if you're upset, if you're angry, if you feel like giving up, if you feel like everybody is, has turned against you, God has grace for you and his grace is always sufficient. You can trust his grace because he's the God of all grace. But then finally, we need to have an attitude of worship. An attitude of worship. In verse 11, Peter just bursts forth in a doxology. He says, to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. 
is the heart of the Christian, must always be filled with praise and glory given to God. He has the dominion, he has the power, he has the authority. He is worthy of all praise. That is the worshiping heart. And when you have a worshiping heart, it keeps you from always questioning the difficulties of life. When you have a worshiping heart, you don't question God. You simply worship him. For you know deep down in your heart that in spite of the trials and the tribulations you are going through, that you are blessed. Just consider for a moment how richly God has blessed you. He has arranged or made arrangement for your salvation before the foundation of the world. He has promised to hear you when you pray. He is willing and ready to forgive you for your sins when you repent. He is ready to supply your every need. He has given you hope that is steadfast and sure. And he has made available to you the power of his Holy Spirit to guide you, sustain you, empower you, protect you, and supply all your needs. The devil would have you question whether you have been blessed or not. But allow me to tell you that if you have heard the word of God preached sincerely, then you are blessed. If you understand God's plan of salvation, then you are blessed. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are blessed. If you have known the goodness, the love, and the mercy of God, then you are blessed. If you have grasped hold of the sacred promises of God in the scriptures, you are blessed. And if you have committed yourself wholeheartedly to God and are living faithfully for him, then you are blessed. And so to our God be all glory, all power, and all dominion, not just for time, but forever and forever. And the people of God says, Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.